And if you were to pause, I'm sure we could all do this and come up with a few various examples, but think of some of the fondest moments of your life up to this point in time. Just think about it. What stands out in your memory? For those that are married, you know, of course, there's the monumental things like when, for a, you know, when your bride walks down the aisle, your wedding day. You know, I can certainly attest that the day your children are born, those are moments that, I mean, you just never forget. They leave an indelible mark on your psyche and in your heart. But what are the highlight memories that stick out in your mind even beyond that? Just think of the average, ordinary, the mundane routines of life and some of the kind of, I guess you would say, the random things that stick out. You know, for me, these are some memories that as I pondered and, and thought over my life, these are things that stood out. I remember as a young child, likely b- before grade school, I remember making cookies with my mom when I was just a young kid. And she would let me do the sifting. You know, she'd get the wet ingredients in the bowl and stir it up. And, uh, and then she'd put all the dry ingredients in the sifter. And, uh, you know, I have kids now, as I said, so I understand that when you let kids, when you, when you let them help you bake, it, it re- typically makes a mess. So I just want to publicly say thanks, Mom, for allowing me to make a mess of the kitchen, no doubt. But I would, I would sift that, that flour and those dry ingredients like a boss. I was good at it. You know, and in my mind, it was like, it was like the, the, the wet ingredients, they were a landscape, like a mountain landscape, and I was the snow, and I, I wanted to make sure it was evenly covering everything. This is, this is what I thought. I was a kid. I was a kid. But, but I remember that. I remember that. I remember in 2009 with my father, we, we had the opportunity to drive the long distance from Fredericton, New Brunswick, to Alexandria, Louisiana, I don't know, 30-plus hours and it's not that we did anything crazy or monumental along the journey, but you know, it was long hours and lots of talk and a lot of fun. And I remember those moments. I can remember going on dates with my wife before we were married. I remember going to an Easter production one time at another church in town, and they had a live donkey there. And for whatever reason, you know, we started taking pictures with this donkey, and we affectionately named it Jenny. And I, it doesn't make any sense, but we did. And there are photos to prove it, and I remember that. Why? I don't know, but I do. I, I wonder how Jenny's doing these days. <laughs> I remember one day getting off the bus after a day at high school with a couple of friends and walking across the bridge in Marysville, and wouldn't you know, there laying on the sidewalk was a crisp $20 bill. Now, you know, maybe you're a more godly, honest person than we were, you know, there's nobody around. It's not like you're at the store and you take it to customer service. I mean, it was going to blow in the river if it weren't for us. So, so we picked it up and we promptly turned back and we went to the Irving convenience store where we, where we all three individually bought the collectible Chilla Thrilla cups and we filled them with Slurpees with the bendy straw and it was the best $20 I think that I have ever spent in my life. I probably still have the mug somewhere to prove it, but I mean these are random stories, but but they stand out in my memory for one reason or another and probably what I told you doesn't sound all that interesting to you, but but it's memorable to me and I would classify these as just some quality moments from my life that stand out in my memory. And today, 
on this Thanksgiving Sunday in the midst of family month, I would like to just speak to you for a few minutes on the idea of quantity versus quality. Quantity versus quality. As you ponder memories like this, the question arises, what constitutes a quality moment anyway? How do we experience them? How do we have more of them in our lives? And certainly in the context of our families, there's a lot of talk about having quality time, right? Quality time with your spouse, quality time with your kids, quality time with your families. And, and there's certainly a place for that, but let's explore it a little bit deeper this morning. James Dobson, a well-known Christian author that often talks about family relationships, he has at times discussed the balance between quantity of time and quality of time. Certainly in relationships and child rearing, there's a lot of time, or a lot of talk rather, about quality time. Now, now listen to this statement. This is not from Dobson, but this is something that you would no doubt hear on occasion. People would say things like, it's not the quantity of time that you spend with your kids, it's the quality that counts. And as you read someone like Dobson, it becomes evident that he actually disagrees with this concept. First of all, how do you manufacture a quality moment anyway? Do you measure it by the cost associated? Do you measure it by the destination that you're going? Do you measure it by the type of activity that you're engaging in? The reality is that you can't just snap your fingers and create something of quality. You could spend countless thousands of dollars to go on vacation, but it doesn't guarantee that you will create quality memories. We've all seen, those that have been to a theme park or Disney World, you've seen the, you know, the high blood pressure, anxiety-induced father walking around and just see, it's just long lines and, and everything costs three times as much as regular life and, and their kids are whining. I mean, a lot of money, but maybe a few quality memories, I don't know. But, but here's what Dobson argues. He says that it is the combination of quantity and quality that builds healthy family relationships. And he uses the example of a steakhouse. Suppose you've looked forward all day to eating at one of the finest restaurants in town. And the waiter brings you a menu and, and you splurge a little bit. You order the most expensive steak in the restaurant. But when the meal arrives and you see a tiny piece of meat about one inch square in the center of the plate, something is wrong here. And of course, you complain, as rightfully you probably should. Uh, you complain about the size of your meal, and the waiter says, Oh, but sir, I recognize the portion is small, but that's the finest corn-fed beef money can buy. You'll never find a better bite of meat <laughs> than what we've served you here tonight. As to the portion, I hope you understand that it's not the quantity that matters. It's the quality that counts. This is Wagyu, sir. There you go. Of course, you would object to this waiter, and for good reason. Why? Because it's both quality and quantity that are important. You can't major on one and minus on the other. There's a balancing act that takes place. And this does not just apply to, you know, this meal or meals or, uh, or just families even. This, this applies broadly 
in many, many areas of our lives. Certainly in how we relate to our families, to our children, and also to God. If you're a writer, if you take notes at all, here, here's a statement that I want you to remember. Quality moments, they don't occur in the absence of time. I'm going to say that one more time. Quality moments don't occur in the absence of time. This concept, it can pose a problem for us, frankly, in our fast-paced, running-to-and-fro, jam-packed lives. Truthfully, it would be nice to just be able to block out small time slots with those who are important to us, our spouses, our children, our extended family, and be guaranteed to have meaningful moments and make memories. But again, quality moments don't occur in the absence of time. There's a story from history sometime in the mid-19th century. There was a man named Charles Francis Adams, who was the grandson of John Adams and the son of John Quincy Adams, both of whom were U.S. presidents. And this Charles Francis Adams, the grandson and the son, served as a Massachusetts state senator, a U.S. congressman, and an ambassador to Great Britain, under none other than Abraham Lincoln. This is a very busy man, but also very conscientious about keeping a daily journal, and he taught his children to do the same. And Henry Brooks Adams, or Henry Adams, the fourth of seven children, he followed his father's advice, and he began journaling at a young age. And here's one entry from eight-year-old Henry in his journal. Went fishing with my father today. The most glorious day of my life. And that day was so glorious in young Henry's mind that that he continued to talk and write about that particular day literally for the next 30 years in various works. For whatever reason to him, it was a defining moment for his life. To, To us, it's just fishing. You know, why does that even matter? But to him... It was quality time spent with his dad. And only many years later did Henry think to compare his journal, his entry with his father's entry for that same day. And for that day, his father Charles had written, went fishing with my son, a day wasted. Evidently, this high-ranking, well-positioned, and no doubt busy U.S. ambassador, Charles Francis Adams, felt that it was not a good use of his precious time to carve out a day of fishing with his son. Now, before we just completely obliterate this guy, whether he felt that he had more important things to do or perhaps he felt like it wasn't overly effective in making a connection with his son, for whatever the reason, he categorized this day as a waste. Didn't matter, didn't amount to much, but to young Henry... He defined it as glorious. It was pivotal. And literally, it was a day that impacted young Henry for the rest of his life. And it just was in the average, ordinary, mundane moments of life. Now, it's possible that Charles was upset that they came home empty-handed. I don't know. That wasn't in the journal. Maybe they caught no fish. But even so, he seems to have forgotten that the process is sometimes more important than the product. And that the time spent with kids or spouses or 
family members is usually more important than what we actually do with them. Because out of the abundance of minutes, special moments can occur. Wouldn't it be nice, you know, especially for those that have hectic schedules, it would be nice to guarantee moments with family members every time that we set aside time. You know, maybe as short as possible or just, you know, to make sure that they're effective and but you can't without the abundance of minutes. And so just let me for a few moments here this morning encourage a husband or a wife, a father or a mother on Thanksgiving Sunday in the midst of family month. You may not feel like you can give your loved ones everything that you would like to give them, but if you will make sure to give them your time, that is one of the most precious gifts of all. It doesn't have to be some awe-inspiring plan Just spend some intentional time with the ones that you love, with your family, with your children, and more than likely, something that feels glorious, something that feels monumental and pivotal and life-altering and direction-setting, it will occur in the process of time. I would suggest today that some of the best moments from your life didn't come because your parents or your family or your spouse spent a boatload of cash to manufacture something memorable. But chances are, more than likely, rather, these moments, these monuments in your life came from the ordinary moments spent together, and they became something precious to you. You see, quality family moments, quality time, comes from an abundant quantity of time spent together. A day of fishing. What to one felt like a waste, to that son felt like a glorious day. It's not always the trips to Disney World that make the highlight real in our memory bank. Sometimes it's the family games night where you sat around joking and cutting up. (laughs) It's inexpensive family traditions like Grabbing an ice cream after Thanksgiving Sunday service. And all the young people said, praise the Lord. Come on, Mom. Come on, Dad. You know, it's something as simple as being intentional to sit down as a family around the dinner table. Is this too simple today? Time. Maybe it's the time when Mom and Dad took the long way home from church and they had a few extra minutes to talk during the drive and and in doing so, you saw that weird guy on the side of the road doing something foolish, and it became the inside joke that lasted for a decade. I mean, you just never know. He walked funny, and now every time you walk by one another in the house, you start doing the same walk. You have a ministry of silly walks now, and you just, this is how you interact. I don't know, but it doesn't happen absent of time, quality moments don't have to and usually don't come from the fancier things of life. The reality is that many quality moments are birthed out of the ordinary moments. You can't always plan when something memorable or unique happens, like the funny guy in the road. In order to experience what you might consider to be that monumental quality moment in your life with your family or whomever, you just have to ensure one thing, and that is that you spend ample quantity of time with those that you love. Quantity paves the way, and opens the door for quality. When I think of the 12 disciples, I I can't imagine 
How awesome a privilege it must have been to see all of the incredible miracles and the manifestations of God's power as they walked with him and talked with him and did life with him. These were the memorable moments, and there was no shortage of them for the followers of Jesus. In fact, the last verse of the book of John, John 21, verse 25, it says this, that Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose, John said, that the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Can you imagine this morning all that they would have saw? What an amazing privilege to witness firsthand all of the miracles and all of the wonders. And, and when they went to write it all down, certainly and of course under the inspiration of God's Spirit, there were a significant handful that they felt to include in their Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The highlights, if you will. And there are over 40 miracles recorded in the Gospels. Miracles like water being turned into wine. Evil spirits being cast out of people. People going back into their right mind and being members of society once again. There were massive catches of fish. Healings of leprosy, paralysis, the withered hand, blindness, deafness, you name it. Jesus was transfigured before the disciples to where he glowed a brilliant white. Jesus raised the dead on occasion. He calmed the storm. He walked on water. He fed thousands with just a small lunch. And at the end of his life in ministry, he was raised from the dead by his own power. And he ascended up on high. Now, now those are probably moments that you would remember too. You know, you would say the quality, right? The, the memorable moments. The ones that stood out as these men walked and talked with Jesus. But, but my question is simple this morning. How were the disciples able to experience these memory-etching quality moments with Jesus more so than the multitudes? And the simple answer is because they literally spent hours upon hours, day after day, literally three and a half years of their lives, daily interacting with Jesus. It was quantity that led to quality. And we have books in our Bible, and we have miracles that are documented, and we have narrative and story that we study and cherish and love and find hope from, all because these men were willing to walk and do life with Jesus. And their time spent with the Master was what gave them the opportunity to have a front row seat for the miraculous. Now, now think with me back over your walk with the Lord over the years that you've served Him. We all love to celebrate the miracles as we should. We all love to talk about the blowout services as we should. We all love to reminisce about the time that we ran the Jericho and the glory of God fell. We cling to times when the word of the Lord came alive to us and we experienced revelation either from the pulpit or the prayer closet. We love those times. These are awesome moments worth remembering. But at the risk of stating the obvious, none of these moments ever happen without determining just one simple thing in your life, to spend significant amounts of time in God's house 
and significant amounts of time in personal devotion with Jesus Christ. Because out of the abundance of the quantity, the moments, the time that you spend with the Lord, from that comes those moments of visitation. From that, from that pool, comes those moments that are monumental and glorious. Can I tell you today that God is a God of visitation, that God is a God that touches down and manifests His glory amongst His people, but we only have one thing to settle in our spirit and determine, and that is to walk with the Lord as often as we can. Every chance we have, just have a little talk, have a little walk with the Lord, with Jesus. Be in the house of the Lord every time that you can. Praise God. Because it's the abundance of moments. As we increase exposure, we increase that opportunity for visitation. You know, let me just talk plainly. With all respect, you know, that's why it's just not enough to, to be a holiday Christian, to be a Christmas and Easter kind of Christian. With all respect, can I tell you why? It's because you might miss your moment of visitation where God speaks a word over you and where you receive direction for your life and for your family. That's why it's important that we forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And so much the more as you see that day of the Lord approaching. I want to be in his presence every chance that I get because I know that God might speak a word to me. I know that God might heal my body if I'm in his presence among God's people. You never know what might happen in the house of God. You can't orchestrate it. You can't as much as we might want to, as, as much as we might want to package it and say, you know, on October the 10th, 2021, that's going to be my day and, and I'm going to go that service and I'm going to trust God for that. That's wonderful and you should trust God. But sometimes you can't orchestrate the moment that God is going to move. You can't pre-plan something pivotal necessarily. You can't pre-plan what is glorious in your life that impacts your future with God. But there is one thing and one way that I can tell you that you can guarantee to never miss out on those moments of visitation. And that is by ensuring that you're in God's house and in God's presence, that it's a priority to be with the Master and to do life with Him as often as you can. Quantity breeds quality. And quality does not come in the absence of time. It's time. I don't want, I don't want you to miss those moments of visitation in your life. Because I can't determine when God will show up, but I can determine that I'm not going to miss it. I can't determine when he steps in and speaks the word, but I can determine that I'm not going to miss it and that my ear is going to be attuned to when he speaks. I'm going to get with Jesus every chance I get. Let me tell you this. My goal in prayer, I'll be practical for a moment. My goal in prayer in my life is to designate that initial 30 minutes to an hour each day for devotion. Now, I, I'm, maybe this violates your theology. If it does, I apologize. I am not initially concerned with what I do in that time slot. Got a little quiet there. I'm sorry. 
That's not my initial concern. I'm certainly concerned about it. I want to pray. I want to make my requests known to God. I, I certainly want to pray over needs in my church, and I want to pray over, pray over my family and pray for direction and ask God to, to bless our city and pour out His Spirit. Certainly, I want to do those things. I want to take time to be in His Word. Certainly, I want to do all of that. But my primary concern is just to make sure that I've set aside the time. Because I know that if I can just make sure that I've made room for the time, and if I've carved out margin, then I know that God can allow a moment of visitation and a manifestation to infiltrate my margin. I, I know that God can meet me there, but He can't meet me there if, I, if I'm not faithful to it. You know, I'm growing convinced that God is more interested in your time than your words. It's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, but when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do. The heathen thinks that they shall be heard for their much speaking. And Jesus said, don't be like them. Your Father knows what you have need of before you even ask Him. Again, I believe that Jesus is more concerned and more interested in my time than my words. It's not to say we shouldn't pray. It's not to say we shouldn't verbalize death and life or in the power of the tongue. Most certainly. But even James, he said, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. That has a specific application, but that's a principle. And it applies to your walk with the Lord. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 5 and 2, Be not rash with thy mouth. Watch this. And let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and thou upon the earth, therefore let thy words be, be few. Jesus is more interested in my time than my words. Speaking words in prayer is powerful, but the primary function of our devotion time is relationship. The reason I meet with the Lord is not so that I can relay my laundry list and every need that I have in my life. The main reason that I, that, I, that I come before God and I approach His throne is because I want to be in communion with Jesus. I want to be in relationship with the Master. And I don't want to miss my moment of visitation when the Word comes alive, when He speaks a word of direction. It was Aaron Bounds a few years ago in this pulpit, he made this statement that God cannot pour out His fire on the altar until we give Him what we cannot afford to give. And in reference to the contest on Mount Carmel, the prophet Elijah against the false prophets of Baal and the grove. In reference to that, Brother Bounds said, in Elijah's day, it was a drought. They couldn't afford water, yet they poured barrels of water on the altar. In Elijah's day, they couldn't afford water. And in our day, it seems that we can't afford time. But if we will put our time on the altar, we will experience a glorious moment of visitation. Maybe you're like me, and there have been times when I would beat myself up over my prayer life because I felt like I wasn't doing it right. I wasn't saying the correct words. I... I wasn't, you know, quoting enough scripture. I wasn't, you know, the right ratio between English and, and praying in tongues. I don't know. You know, and I'd hear the, the person across the aisle, they'd be praying and they're doing it one way and they're thousand this is and using, you know, and all that kind of stuff. 
thus saith the Lord, you know, thou who sittest between the cherubim, thou most holy God, Lord, you know, whatever. That's how you pray. I'm not belittling you. That, you do you. That's fine. But, you know, you go to pray and it's like, uh, can I just talk to you? And, and, you know, you can easily compare yourself and your prayer life against how somebody else prays. And I read somewhere that's not wise. So I, I, would, I would beat myself up, but, but the truth is that developing a relationship with God, it just simply starts the same way you develop a relationship with anybody. It's not by making sure that you say all the right things all the time. It's just, it takes time. You know, I remember when my wife and I, we were first, we weren't even dating. We were just like kind of considering dating, or I was interested. I wasn't sure what she was thinking at the time, but evidently... You know, now you know the end of the story, I guess. But, you know, we took, we took this step, and we decided we're going to start talking on the phone. And so, you know, I was nervous. And so this is a, a true story. I took a piece of paper, and I wrote down a few conversation starters just to make sure. You know, there, if I were to just pause here for like 30 seconds in the sermon, that would make everybody uncomfortable. Should we practice right now? Should we try? <laughs> and that, that scared me to death. I thought, this is never going to work if I don't have something to say. So I wrote out, you know, some conversation starters like, you know, how's the weather? <laughs> I don't remember what I wrote, but, you know, these are potential examples. You know, what's your favorite color? You don't ask, you don't ask that for real. You know, do you prefer kidney or pinto bean? I don't know. Like, you just. <laughs> I don't know what I wrote, but I did write a few things, and, and it was a, man, the conversation moved right along. It was great. <laughs> but the truth is, it's not about making sure you say the right things all the time. It just starts by spending time with God. Music, come and join me. I'm wrapping up this morning. Because from that time, like for little Henry Adams, from that time spent with your father will come something glorious, something pivotal, maybe something that you will reflect on like he did for the next 30 years or more of your life. It's time spent with your father. For our families in family month, it's time spent with our kids. It's Time spent with our spouses. It's time. Because without time, without quantity, you miss quality. From time spent with the Lord, inevitably comes a moment of visitation. And we desperately need moments of visitation in our church, in our lives, and in our families. One more time, I say quality moments don't occur in the absence of time. I close this morning by turning your attention to a familiar passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 2. And this is a chapter and this is a narrative and a story that we love. It's one we study. It's one we preach. It's one we shout about and we ought to. We're apostolic. We're Pentecostal. And that is our heritage. It's the first day of church history. It's the first time the Spirit of God was poured out and filled uh, humanity, first time ever. Somebody say, a moment of visitation. 
It was a moment of visitation like had never happened before. And I thank God that it still happens today that way. That God pours out His Spirit upon all flesh. He's no respecter of persons. It's God's will to do so. But we, we shout about the passage because of words like suddenly. And we believe in suddenly moments. We believe that at any point as we worship the Lord, as we pray and seek God, we believe that as the Word goes forth in a service just like this one, that miracles can happen. That there can be a suddenly moment of visitation. And we love it. And we shout it when we we shout when we read it. We love the rushing mighty wind moments that occur in the Scripture and in our midst. We, we love it when we lose ourselves in the presence of God. We love it when there's a manifestation like for them it was cloven tongues like as a fire that sat upon each of them. And we celebrate and shout when the fire of the Holy Ghost falls in our midst. How many just love it when we have a moment of visitation from the Lord? Can you just raise your hand, be a witness? I love it when God moves. But the 120 believers in the upper room, they didn't determine specifically and exactly to the minute or even to the day when their moment of visitation was going to occur. They didn't know. All they determined and all they could know was what they were going to do with the time they had been given. They simply determined and they resolved that they were going to seek God in prayer. How long? Don't know. What exactly are you praying for? Don't even really know that. Hasn't happened before. But we're going to spend time in the presence of God seeking the face of Jesus Christ. And they went to that upper room in Jerusalem with a promise that they would be endued with power from on high. They didn't know when it would come, and they didn't fully understand what it was they were praying for, but they were determined to experience it. They had left Bethany, and they had walked to Jerusalem, just a short walk, and they found that perch in that upper room, and they prayed, and they sought God day after day after day after day. Because Jesus didn't give them a formula of how to experience it. He didn't give them a five-step process or a specific multi-step plan. He gave them one simple instruction. Luke 24, 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. And here's what you need to do. But tarry. So we say tarry. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem and do it until you have a moment of visitation. I'm not going to tell you how long it's going to take, but just keep on waiting. Just keep on pressing. Just keep lingering, seeking my face until you're endued with the promise. Until you're endued with that power from on high. And if I would paraphrase the Master today, Jesus said, just go and spend a little bit of time. Just go and find a place of prayer and spend a little bit of time in my presence, seeking my face. Tarry in that upper room until the promise comes. A moment of visitation. Can I remind you that that took 10 days, 10 straight days of prayer. But out of the abundance of quantity, 
there was a monumental, glorious, quality moment in the presence of Jesus Christ. I conclude this morning. Stand together with me. We're going to pray in a moment. And if you're with your family, and I understand everything going on, but if you're with your family and you're able to pray with them in a moment, I'm going to encourage you to do so. But let me tell you, maybe maybe it's time to slow down a little bit and be present. You know, maybe for somebody today, it's just simply time to add some more margin to your life because you've been crowding out all the good things that God wants to do. Be it with your family or be it in his presence. God said, you need more margin because you're, 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 you're crowding out your moment of visitation. You're crowding out with your family the chance to have a moment that maybe changes the trajectory of your children's lives. You are alienating and isolating them from what good that can happen from just time. Quality moments don't occur in the absence of time. The question, is it quality or is it quantity? You know, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Which is more important? I don't know. Here, here it is. It's both. It's both. They're both important. And frankly, one comes from the other. One comes from the other. And so as we pray, I know we can't gather around an altar, but we're going to just pray this morning as families, and we're going to go before our Heavenly Father. And I believe that in this service, there can be a moment. I believe that before we leave this sanctuary today, there can be a moment of visitation for you, for your family. And you can leave today, this service, saying, hey, I spent time with my Father today. It was glorious. I spent time in the presence of Jesus today, and God gave me an answer for something I've been praying about. I wonder if you would just take a few moments, if you're with your family, why don't you get a hold of them, if it's appropriate to do so. So, And can you just lift your hearts and your voices heavenward? Because I still believe that God is a God of suddenly, but I don't want to crowd out God. I, I still believe that God can use me as I'm reading a Bible story to my children. I believe that God can use the time I spend in my home to direct the course of my family's lives. But I don't want to crowd that out because I don't have enough margin in my life. God, work on us today. God, speak to some mom or dad today. God, speak to a brother, a sister, a son or a daughter. Lord, you want to have moments of visitation. God, you want there to be moments in our families that, that are memorable and glorious and monumental. And so, God, let that conviction rest upon us today. God, here on this Thanksgiving weekend, you've blessed us with so much. God, you've blessed us with great families and a great church family. God, you've blessed us with great people to serve and worship you together with, to go to heaven with, God. We're thankful for all of that. But give us a moment of visitation. God, as your people do what they did in the first century. God, as they determine to be in your presence, as they determine to pray, to fast, to seek, and to push. Lord God, I pray that we would experience a suddenly moment in this day and in this time. Oh, come on, somebody. Would you lift your voice right now? 
I feel the, the wind of His Spirit even now blowing across this sanctuary. Where you are at home, I wish you'd pray with us. I wish you'd lift your voice with us and just pray that God would direct. Pray that God would minister. Pray that God would touch. Come on, Mom. Come on, Dad. Pray over your spouse right now. Pray together over your children right now. Come on, just make this whole sanctuary an altar. From the balcony to the floor, from the front to the back, let's make this whole sanctuary an altar today. I wonder if anybody's willing to lay a little bit of time on the altar this morning. I want to give God what I feel I can't afford to give. And I know that He will send His fire to consume the sacrifice. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, just keep praying. I just want to pray over you this morning. Just keep praying together. Just keep praying together. Lord, I pray a special blessing, God, over every mom, God, that rocks that baby and prays over her children every day, every night. God, I pray that you'd help her to see that she is setting the direction. God, I pray that you'd help that mom to realize that her efforts are not in vain. But God, she is, she is allowing margin. She is allowing opportunity for glorious moments of your presence to step into that young life. God, I pray for every mom or dad that, that takes the time to pray with their children. God, that reads and claims and prays the Word of God over their children. Lord, help them to realize that they are creating space for a moment of visitation in their family. God, I pray that they would realize as they bow their knee to pray over their home and pray over their husband or their wife. God, I pray that they would realize that they are creating opportunity for a moment of visitation. God, I pray that you would convict us today, challenge us today. God, help us not to grow weary in well-doing. God, we will reap a harvest if we don't faint faint. In due season, it will come. A moment, a moment, a moment of visitation. Oh, one more time. Just lift your hands. Just lift your hands and lift your voice. Come on, I wonder if anybody's bold enough this morning to respond to the presence of the Lord right now. Come on, I'm not hindered. I'm not restricted. I'm not mandated. Somebody lift your voice in the presence of the Lord today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, give praise to the Lord. Oh, give praise to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I got thinking this morning that we ultimately are all awaiting that great moment of visitation when the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the trump of God, with the voice of the archangel. Because the trumpet will sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we all shall be changed. I, I was thinking this morning about that great moment of visitation that we're all longing for, that we're all looking to, and that we're all wanting. You know how Paul ended the passage in 1 Corinthians 15? He said it is going to happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. It's, it's going to take place. But he said, because of that, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Be unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because if we will maintain consistency in serving God, out of the abundance of quantity of moments and minutes and hours and days and years and maybe decades serving God one sweet day that great moment of visitation will come and the clouds will part and Jesus is going to catch away his church and so shall we ever be with the Lord but I want to have enough margin in my life this day and all the days until that day that I'm ready for it that I'm ready for it. I wonder if you'd pray with me this morning. I want to pray a blessing on our homes today. On this Thanksgiving weekend, we only have this one service. I wonder if you would join me intentionally praying over our families. Our mantra for the month is that strong families make strong churches, and we want God to bless our homes today, this month, and any, any day for that matter. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your presence. God, thank you for this service. Thank you for your word. And God, I, I thank you for our moms and our dads, our children, our families. God, I know families come in different shapes and sizes, and I know that there are different situations here this morning. God, there are solitary ones here this morning, but you put the solitary in families. That's what your word says. And so God, as nuclear families, or, or at least as the family of God, we come before you and pray a blessing on our homes. God, we pray a special anointing on our moms and dads as they lead their homes in this perverse generation and day. God, we pray for fresh wisdom. God, you told us that if we lack it, that we could ask you for it and you'd give it to us liberally. So God, give us wisdom in this day and age that we live. God, I pray that there would be a conviction on our parents and on the leaders of our homes, Lord Jesus, that our homes will be places of prayer and consecration. Lord, I pray that you'd convict us this morning to clean out the junk, to, to clean out the cobwebs of our homes, and God, allow your spirit to reign in Jesus' name. Direct us and lead us. We love you, and we thank you for it all. 
and we give you great praise in Jesus' name. One more time, church family, those joining us online, just raise your hands, lift your voice, give God one shout of praise today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, can you do it for 30 more seconds? Is he worthy today? Has he ever blessed you? Come on, we're a blessed people. We've got much to be thankful for.